Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined again by Chelsea Abbott. She's a technical advisor and education specialist for the Davy Institute. She's based in Chicago, and today we're talking all about diseases. And the first one I want to talk about, Chelsea, is something called fire blight, because that sounds really bad to me. <laughs> it is really bad, so your, your assumption is correct. <laughs> so what, what is fire blight? What kind of trees are affected by fire blight? So fire blight, first of all, um, it's actually caused by a bacteria. Um, so it's a bacterial infection, mostly getting on trees in the ornamental family. So things like crab apples, service berries, pears, those kind of things. What does it look like? So the name is very apt. That's one thing you should know about scientists. Is we're not very creative. Uh, so it's called fire blight because it does look like the trees have gone through a little bit of a fire. It's They look burnt, they have a very blackened appearance, um, and then the branches will actually start to curl and cup over. Is there hope for a tree that has fire blight? There is, it just depends on how much fire blight it has. Um, usually what I recommend is pruning it out, uh, and then there'll have to be some treatment. So you'll definitely need to consult an arborist when dealing with fire blight. Yeah, if you see something that looks like that on your tree, call an arborist right away from Davy Tree. Have them come take a look at it, and then we can go from there. You know, there's there's never any way to to really deal with a disease like that unless you have somebody on the ground, right? Yeah, it's it, it's going to require a couple years usually to get it to get under uh, management, if even possible. Right. Like I said, uh, sometimes when we have to prune it out. Um, it's almost too infected that we would be losing quite a large amount of trees, which, you know, or a large amount of, of the tree. So it, uh, it almost might be more detrimental just to deal with it that way. So this time of the year, what kind of other things are we looking at as far as uh, diseases on trees? So this time of year, you'll start to see symptoms mostly of the vascular wilts. And now vascular wilts usually are fungal um, and I would say the most popular well-known ones would be like Dutch elm disease and oak wilt. Uh, and the reason why you see the symptoms from those diseases is because they are inside the vascular system. They're kind of clogging it. So when there's drought, uh, it makes the symptoms worse. And that's when they sort of show up. And that looks very much like orange bronzy foliage up in the canopy, one branch here and there. Um, it's actually a symptom we call flagging because it looks like a little orange flag is stuck into the tree. Well, you don't have to tell me about oak wilt because I've been affected by it in my property and we're working on it, but oh yeah, <laughs> when you have an entire forest of oak trees, there's only so much you can do. Um, yes, just like fire blight, uh, the vascular wilts like oak wilt and Dutch elm disease, they, they need a pretty quick response and you do need an arborist with that one as well. So Dutch elm disease, now, uh, that's been around for a long, long time, right? Is it the same with oak wilt? It, it just, has it been around for a long time too, or? Oak wilt's been around um, for a long time as well. They actually, they don't really know where oak wilt came from. Um, it just kind of showed up. <laughs> so they assume that it's an invasive, but they don't know where. Uh, 
you know, the really big thing with Dutch elm disease versus oak wilt is they're pretty regional. Uh, they mostly just get around via the root grafts, so tree to tree. They'll actually sort of mesh um, their root systems, elm to elm, oak to oak, but also they get around by little beetles flying around, which is why you've probably heard the recommendation not to prune elms or oaks during the summer months, because we're really trying to mitigate the transfer of that fungus. Well, since we're talking about my property now, let's go to crab apples. <laughs> yes, crab apples, those lovely guys. <laughs> For me, it's, oh, it just went out of my head. What uh, what happens to crab apples? Oh, apple scab. Apple oh, scab. yes. I was about okay. to say plenty. Plenty happens to them. <laughs> but yes, the, the major one um, is a fungal foliar disease. So we've talked about a bacteria. We've talked about a fungus that gets inside the vascular system with oak wilt and Dutch elm disease. Uh, now we can talk about apple scab, which is only attacking the leaves and then the fruit of the crab apple. Um, and so that's an ex more of an external sort of pathogen. Uh, and treatment is still required, but it's not as aggressive as some of our vascular pathogens like fire blight or oak wilt. And with my crab apple, it always depends on the season as to yeah. how, how, how it's affected. If we have a really wet, cool season, it will defoliate the plant. Oh, yes. If it's not too bad, then I'll just, I'll lose a few leaves and the tree will look okay. Yeah, I always tell everyone, anybody that I'm teaching about diseases or anything like that, fungi love moisture. They like it when it's nice and cool and humid. Um, and if we get some rain going on, it's the perfect condition. So if we have a really dry spring, which I'm not sure if you had, but we definitely did not have a dry spring here in Chicago. Um, but if we did, you know, we don't tend to see a lot of our uh, foliar diseases. But this year was very rainy for us. So we're getting, you know, sometimes even diseases we haven't seen, like anthracnose, um, come out of the woodworks because it was just super rainy. Well, tell me about that one. What, what does that affect and what does it look like? So anthracnose is another foliar fungal disease. Uh, it gets on quite a few um, different hosts. So most commonly would be things like oaks, uh, but there's an anthracnose for maples, there's an anthracnose for ash, there's, they're all very host specific, but it can get on quite a few different hosts. The major one that we're concerned about are sycamores and dogwoods though, because they could actually do quite a bit of damage because they also cause a bit of a canker. Um, so what they look like, the leaf spots, because foliar fungal diseases cause, cause leaf spots, are sort of around the margin or the edge of the leaf, and then they kind of create a V pattern into the midrib or the sort of the middle vein of the leaf. Um, and then they can also cause cankering, which are like wounds on the branches that can sort of cause the tree to die back. And each different species would be treated differently is that correct or? Yeah, we usually, usually, unless it's been a super rainy year and the tree has otherwise been stressed out by many things, we usually only recommend management on sycamores and dog, dogwoods. And they would both be managed, one's managed through a fungal or fungicide injection. And one of them is managed by a contact or a you know fungicide that we spray on the leaves. What else is on your mind when you're thinking about summer diseases for trees? So uh, especially if you're in the Midwest, uh, we are coming up on our, what I call the late season uh, foliar diseases, things like fir oak blight, uh, tar spot, which I, I would say is the most common one people will see because they're big black spots, usually on maples. Those will start to show up uh, in the next couple weeks or so. 
It's important to keep in mind that those late season diseases like tar spot and baroque blight, they can, you know, weaken the tree. However, they're a lot less harmful than our early season ones because really the tree's defoliating a little bit sooner than it normally would have. We've touched on it a little bit about what to do if you have a problem like this. And I guess it's just call your certified arborist, your Davy certified arborist, and you've got to see it, right? I mean, tar spot, you're going to know what tar spot is. Mm -hmm. But still, you need an expert there to see how bad the tar spot is, to see if you do need treatment. And it's just it's just important to have somebody knows what they're doing to to look at these trees in person. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know there are a couple of things you like as the homeowner um, that can help some of these managements. So you know we'll come in as professionals with the chemicals, but especially if we're talking foliar diseases, so things like tar spot or apple scab, we do usually recommend to clean up the leaves underneath the tree because that's actually where these diseases will overwinter. And so it can kind of perpetuate them, but uh, it, it'll have a very small effect, but it, it might help, especially in years where we're having really large amounts of infections. Uh, we can also recommend you know, pruning the canopy to increase airflow so that will therefore reduce the amount of humidity inside there which can again exasperate diseases so there's a couple cultural things that we can do uh, to sort of pair up with the chemical management and like in the case of uh, a crab apple if i'm thinking about putting a new one in is part of the newer breeding trying to breed disease out yes uh, there are a couple uh, I, I would think commercially available cultivars of crab apples that have some tolerance or resistance to apple scab. The thing with that though is that uh, it's never foolproof. We don't have anything that's 100% resistant to a lot of these diseases. Um, and like you said, it's going to be pretty weather dependent, um, but usually we are trying to offer cultivars that don't have this. For example, they came in with the London plane trees because of the sycamore anthracnose, but the tolerance sort of wear off and now the London plane trees are getting anthracnose. So it's, it's, it's a forever battle for sure. And, you know, in my case for my dogwoods, it's not a big stand of dogwoods. It's one here, one there. I'm hoping that that's going to be a positive for me because I don't want, I, I love my dogwoods and I don't want them to get that disease. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, sports can travel pretty far. Um, they actually have, so there's a really, it's a cool fungal disease, mostly because if you're a, you know, burgeoning diagnostician, it's impossible to get wrong. It's called rust. Um, and I was using an example to explain to people how far spores can, can travel. So this disease, they thought they, okay, we'll eradicate it by removing all of this host. But then they found out that the spores of this rust could actually fly up from Mexico. So oh. spores can really get around. They travel through wind and rain splash. Um, and since they're so micro, you know, they're just teeny tiny. Um, yeah, they can get they can get blown pretty far distances. So, well, there goes that theory. <laughs> well, that's why we always recommend not to plant monocultures. You know, if yes. you've got one here or there, then that that tree will be infected, unfortunately. But if it does go down, then at least it's just one versus 10 trees. Right. I wanted to ask you about Dutch elm disease. Mm -hmm. Has there been any progress made on like, like an, an elm that would be resistant or, or 
or where are we with that? I, I don't, again, the not, not anything that's commercially available, but I have read here and there that there are some, like a lot of research obviously is going into this. I don't have anything concrete, but I have talked to people who say that they're working on it. <laughs> right, just like just like the chestnut tree. Exactly, we're still working on it. It's right. a very, trying, you, trying it's a slow science, it you know? Right. Sure. Well, you can imagine, you know, it's not like a tomato where every season you could, you know, with a tree, you have to wait years to see if, oh, you got it. if it's affected that's, by the disease. You know, that's the number one uh, thing where it, it takes like 10 to 15 years sometimes to actually get results from using any kind of study with trees because you have to wait until they're mature. Um, Tell and that's like three or four different graduate students too. So it's quite turnover. Oh, <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Uh, in, into my job or? Into your obvious love of science and, and sure. you know, these diseases. When you say it's a really cool disease, <laughs> that's somebody who's really into it. Yes. No, so I am a plant pathologist by training. That's what I have my advanced degree in. So I would say I'm a gigantic nerd for fungi and bacteria for sure. Um, actually, I always loved plants. Uh, ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to work with them, but I didn't quite know what. And when I was uh, looking into graduate school, I read a bunch of papers in a bunch of different botany-centric disciplines, and plant pathology was the only one that didn't put me to sleep. And because graduate school is a lot of reading papers, I was like, well, <laughs> that seems like the best, best shot for me. Are all the diseases that, that you're studying and thinking about have been here already or are there things that we're worried about in the future are there, there are things that can come from other places what are you thinking about from a scientific angle uh well so i'm always looking out for new oak diseases mostly because unfortunately we're dealing with in north america something called oak decline which is all of the oaks are really struggling from a combination of environmental insect and disease issues so I'm really always looking for the new thing that could kind of jump onto them. Um, you know, there's also a lot of other ones that are kind of cool, but I don't know what the likelihood is that they get established here. Um, there's uh, the beech leaf disease is something that I've always got my ear to because at this time we don't fully understand it. So it's kind of like watching pathology happen in real time. Uh, we think it's caused by a nem nematode, which is a tiny little microscopic worm, but we're not 100% sure because we don't know how it gets there, how it spreads from beach to beach. Uh, so that's something that I'm just, as a pathologist, I'm a little bit, you know, nerdy about, even though it's, it's, it's bad because it's causing a lot of damage. Try and make me feel better about this because, uh, listen, just let me just lay out this to you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oak, oak decline, where I'm at, we've lost all our ash trees. I look back into history and the chestnut is gone. Mm -hmm. Most of our elms are gone. Make me feel better. <laughs> you know, with the oaks is really a, it's an arrow to the heart on that one. Uh, yeah. Cause who doesn't love a beautiful stately oak? Yeah. You know, the, th the thing that I always often tell at times tell people um, is it is natural for things to sort of, perish. Uh, so usually what I like to do instead of talking about the tree that's in clear states, stages of decline is I like to think about what can we plant in the future um, 
And so I can't make you feel better about the oaks declining, but I can tell you what to put there instead. <laughs> Let me hear it. So I, uh, depending on where you're at, usually um, if you're going to plant an oak, I tend to recommend to plant oaks that are from a little bit more Southern location than what you're currently at, because the, unfortunately that's kind of where the weather is going to, or, you know, you can plant something that's just in generally not common in your area. I would say, take a look around, see what the monocultures are and try not to plant any of those things. As I'm losing my oaks, what I'm trying to go do, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, I'm looking basically mostly native trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I'm in the mid-Atlantic region, Pittsburgh specifically, and so it's American hornbeam, sourwood, oh. sour uh, you know, I, in the forest itself, there's sassafras, there's hickory, you know, there's, but I want more diversity in, mm -hmm. in there because it, it was, and still is, mostly oaks, but we're hoping that just a driveway will be the thing that's going to stop the roots from reaching each other. But who knows? The beetle could, you know, could there could be a there could be a storm, you know, and that rips yeah. a limb off, and then yeah. the beetle visits that. Absolutely. So that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I, you know, again, it's with with diseases in particular. Unfortunately, there's no hacks that you can really do. That's why I do recommend just calling someone onto your site, getting a handle on what's going on, but then also asking them, hey. You know what's our what's our plan moving forward if this tree does go what would you recommend and typically they will have a good handle on what they've seen doing well and maybe something that's not typically arborists don't recommend things that are super planted because <laughs> they don't want to create around monocultures so that's what i would always ask always ask what's the next step which is usually planting something fun and new well, I'm basically keeping Davy in business with my, <laughs> my forest of, of oaks and, and hemlocks, you know, hemlock woolly adults. So, yeah, it's one thing after another. But, you know, like you said, this is part of an evolution, you know, of, of how, how things go. And we'll see how it all plays out. Tell me, uh, before I let you go, what you enjoy most about your job? Oh, educating. 100%. I, I am huge into not only educating arborists, which is part of my job, but I love educating people who just own trees who don't have a background in science. Uh, because anyone who owns a tree, they're interested in it. And they love to learn about it. Uh, they love to learn how to care for it, what to do. Uh, so they're usually a very engaged audience. So it's, it's really all about um, educating everybody, anybody and everybody. <laughs> well, I was educated. Our, <laughs> our listeners were educated. Cool, then I'm done for today. <laughs> yeah, you've done your job, Chelsea. Thanks again for visiting with me. I, I always love talking to you and, and learn something every time. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I learned a lot there. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Chelsea as much as I did. Now tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss a show. Next week, we're diving deep into summer lawn care. Our expert has lots of tips for getting your grass to look great. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>